Hi, this is Pastor Ken Ortiz, and welcome to Real Answers to Real Questions. This podcast is designed to do just exactly that. In my 35 years of pastoral ministry, I've had hundreds of people, if not thousands, come to me with various questions, and frankly, it's so hard for people on a normal Sunday morning to come up and ask those questions. So we've created a format where you can submit your questions, and I'll do my best to provide you with as scripturally accurate an answer as I can to those questions. On the following shows, uh, Dan McMahon is going to be co-hosting with me. He has been my co-host for, with my radio program for many years, and he's a good friend. He's an elder in our church, and uh, we're going to just basically engage in a conversation as we go through the questions that you have submitted. All right, Ken, first uh, question for today's podcast. It says, what was the purpose of the Tree of Knowledge? If we were never supposed to eat from it, why did God create it on earth? That's a good question. It's a serious question. It's it's one that has left many scholars scratching their heads. (laughs) Um, Let me take my best shot at it. The uh, one of the reason one of the things that we can kind of conclude about the tree of knowledge is what resulted from it, and from that result, I have to conclude what God's purpose is. And the result was that God essentially uh, placed Adam and Eve in a context where there was only one rule they had to keep. And that one rule was, you can do anything you want, but don't eat of this tree. Mm. And they were unable to resist that temptation and ended up introducing sin into the human, uh, into the humanity in the world. And uh, I, I have to believe that God, in his foreknowledge, intentionally did that. And we might say, well, is that fair that God would create a world where he knew that man would fall into sin? Isn't that entrapment? Well, it's entrapment if you induce them to do it, but if you're very clear and don't touch it, and Mm -hmm. then you put it in the midst of their world, it's not entrapment. It's really choice. And I think this speaks to really a greater issue that has also been very controversial in the church is how much uh, free will, if at all, do we have as human beings? Because there's a whole sector of the church is basically God's sovereign, and therefore everything is preordained, who's going to go to heaven, who's going to go to hell. And uh, even the fact that you believe had nothing to do with you because uh, God gave you the revelation, gave you the faith and the ability and the opportunity and the draw, and you came to Christ because that's what he wanted, and so you're going to go to heaven. The problem that I think most normal people have, uh, and reasonable people I would say is have, is if you remove free will out of relationship, you no longer have relationship. Right, right. I mean, that's, it, it's, you know, God could have created Hal the computer, and they could have <laughs> talked algorithms for all of eternity, but he obviously didn't do that. He created a being who had the capacity to not only say yes to his will, but also say no to his will. And that capacity for disobedience, I, I love the way Dr. Wildersmith put it. He said it was God's great gamble. Mm-hmm. It, God really was, was a gambling, and yet he knew what the end result was. That's why it also says in Romans 12 that, or excuse me, Revelation 12, that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that was crucified from before the foundations of the world. In other words, God's plan of redemption wasn't something like a secondary thought. It isn't like he created Adam and Eve and says, here, guys, now live and prosper. Yeah. And then when they sin, he goes, oh, no, I have to come up with plan B. No, he, he had planned from before even saying, let there be light. What was going to be the plan of redemption, that his son would become a man and redeem us from the, from the bondage? He would, we would see the second Adam, as Paul refers to him in the, in the letter to the Romans. So 
we have to, excuse me, the Corinthians. So we, the reality is that um, as I look at the consequence, I think God allowed it because he very simply wanted to create that capacity. Hmm. And um, without it, and I think it's important to note, what was that knowledge of? Well, it wasn't that you'd be able to go on the game show and win all the games. You know? <laughs> it's, that, that knowledge that he was speaking of is to know the difference between good and evil and right hmm. and wrong. Uh, and that's what's sad, that part of the lie that the serpent gave to Adam and Eve was he basically said, you'll become like God, you'll know good and evil. Well, he would become God in the same way that I become like Groucho Marx if I grow a mustache. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a half-truth because you only have one aspect of the divine nature or ability, if, I w- if you will, and that is to know the difference between good and evil. Yeah. What we didn't have was the ability to consistently do good and the ability to consistently re- reject evil. Yeah. And so uh, that was the major change that took place. And I think it would have been a, a cruel thing for God to do, a cruel joke, to, for him to put that tree of knowledge in the garden um, with, those, with those commandments around it if he didn't also provide the, the way of redemption. Yeah. If he hadn't, in, as you said, in, in, in before time, knew that he was going to have his son come to earth, die on the cross for our sins, and provide that way. So it would have been a cruel joke if he hadn't had a full plan of redemption already yeah. lined out well in advance. Yeah, and I think it's. I think that a lot of times people wrestle with these kinds of issues because none of us is really very happy with the fact that we have a sin nature. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're very good many times of saying it isn't there and that isn't sin and I'm all right to do it. And yet when you really begin to grow in Christ and know his righteousness and his holiness, you begin to realize that the sin nature is not just something that expresses itself occasionally like a dandelion on your on your lawn. It's something that's deeply rooted. Yeah. <laughs> and many times it's, it's much of the lawn of your life. And uh, that hum- humiliation, if you will, realizing that I am a sinner, is what breaks our hearts at the at the cross of Christ, and we say He died because of my sin, and uh, there's a there's a beauty of humility in that. That, um, as Oswald Chambers once put it, we never rise higher, we never stand higher than when we're on our face at the foot of the cross. Yeah, yeah, good. All right. Well, let's move on to question number two for the day. It says, the church I've been going to talks about praying specifically. Some of the prayers I've heard people pray while I've been there have been so specific that it sounds like they are telling God what to do. I understand asking God to meet a specific need, but where is the line? It's an excellent question, yeah. because on on one hand, praying specifically, I think, is a good idea, because sometimes our prayers are so uh, vague and wide-ranging that— yeah. It's hard for me to even say I agree with it because I'm not quite sure what you're asking, you know. And we get, in fact, we get prayer requests sometimes saying, I have a, a secret need, please pray for it. And you're, you're going, oh, I don't know. Give me how, a hint. How do I get enthusiastic <laughs> Sounds about Sounds like. <laughs> yeah, right. And I don't mean to, to mock people to do that because yeah. I know that many times they're afraid hmm. to tell anybody what they're really struggling with. But the reality is it says when two or more agree on touching any one thing. Hmm. Uh, and so you have to know what it is to be able to agree with it. And I even think if I can add into that, that the idea of being able to agree with somebody in prayer is kind of a way of filtering out things that aren't of God, because the other person will simply say, are you sure that that's what God wants? Hmm. 
So on one hand, I think, yeah, it's a great idea to pray specifically, but remember that Jesus said in teaching his disciples to pray that they should pray, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. And with that, there's a certain recognition that there's a that I'm kind of agnostic in terms of knowing what's the best result. Mm-hmm. What what is be- in my best interest? But it may not be the best thing, and I need to hold loosely to that. And I think that part of praying as we seek God, especially in our private praying, is that God begins to help us filter through what his heart is and what his will is. Because in the end of the day, as as C.S. Lewis once put it, that prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. Mm -hmm. Prayer isn't getting God to adapt his plan to my agenda. It's helping me to discover what his agenda is and adapting my life to that agenda. So, you know, it's, it's a, I think this person is really picking up on something that I think is a little bit unhealthy. And I, I don't think it's a terrible thing, but I think there's a, there is a line. Mm -hmm. And the point is that the Bible states very clearly things that we should pray. We should pray that the Lord would add labors to the harvest. We should pray for our sanctification, our separation from things that corrupt us. You know, it's very, very clear the things that we should pray for. We should pray that marriages survive and don't divorce and different things that God says aren't his heart. But in other things, when it comes to the car I want to buy or feel that I need or whether I need a car or a house that I live or a community I live in, you know, quite honestly, I never would have chosen uh, moving to Spokane, Washington, if I just put a map in front of me and decided where's the best place to live. <laughs> I mean, I'm fortunate to what? say we picked a very—God picked. A, God put us in a great place. Yeah. You know, he knew what would fit us, and I love this place. Hidden secret. It's a hidden secret, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's amazingly—yeah, uh, maybe I shouldn't tell people. They'll start <laughs> yeah. moving here. <laughs> but the whole point is that, that at the end of the day, I don't really know. I, I look through a glass dimly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I, in the end, I don't want to be insistent upon how I think it should turn out. Mm-hmm. There are things that I asked for that I didn't get, and I'm so thankful that I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having an expectation that God is going to answer a prayer. But expecting him to do it the way we ask him to do it is totally off the mark. Kind of presumptive, really. It is. And it's actually more fun to say, God, this is this is my need. This is, I please, you know, answer this prayer and then see how he's going to do it. Because more times than not, it's in a completely different fashion than I viewed it that he would do. And and it's kind of fun to see. It's always fun to see him answer prayers and, and, and learn what yeah. way he's going to do it. Well, I think about when we talk about things like marriage and some people are praying that somebody would marry. I had people Ooh. kind of me saying, well, I'm praying that so-and-so will will ask me to marry them. And I, I think to myself, you know, before I got married, there were any number of young ladies <laughs> who I could, could see myself marrying based upon two simple criterias. They were really good looking and they were fun to be around. <laughs> I was going to get it wrong no matter what yeah. until I asked God. <laughs> uh, that's that's why my wife and I, we just fasted and prayed, is this your will, God? Mm. Let us know. Is this what you want? Because we don't trust ourselves. Yeah. That's smart. All right. Sounds good. Let's go on to the last question for the day. Number three, it says, is it okay to be cremated when you die? Um, I would say absolutely yes. And uh, and I know that there's people who hold to the idea that you, if you cremate the body, what's going to be resurrected. Uh, All I can say is cremation is going to do in about 30 minutes, what the earth is going to do in 30 days or 30 yeah. years, you know? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to, you, from dust you came and to dust you're going to return. So the there are some uh, Christian denominations that teach that you've got to be keep the body as intact as possible so that when Christ comes, he'll be able to resurrect it. Hmm. I think God has 
my DNA on record that he can resurrect uh, <laughs> yeah. dust. He can reconfigure DNA if that's what he wants to do. But I see absolutely no problem with, with cremation. And I think, I mean, quite honestly, it's what I, I, I that's my intention mm. because I just want to see, spare my family the expense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the reverse is true. It's perfectly fine to put someone in a, in a casket and yeah. put them in the ground. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's certain dynamics because we live in a culture where people kind of die in isolation now. Mm. And, uh, and, and sadly, many people don't have the opportunity to be with loved ones and kind of journey with them through those last moments of their life. And so sometimes having a body there is a way of basically having closure. Hmm. And so you're right, absolutely. I think that there are many times are, are very valuable things. Now, my father was cremated, but my request was that before they would do that, that they would uh, keep him on ice until I could fly down and, and have a viewing. And just mm. basically have that connection, that, you know, because rather than have him just kind of disappear from my life, yeah, I could see him in that con- in his in his mortal state, is is, and realize that he wasn't there anymore. Yeah, but that was you know, and that was kind of neat. And uh, uh, and after that, I was good. Yeah, I learned that uh, in the early days of marriage when we had a a dog that got hit on the road, and I took him into the vet, <laughs> and the vet said basically we need to put him down, and I said okay. And I came back home, and and Janie and the kids came out to the car, like, "Where's the body?" I'm like, "I had him get rid of it." <laughs> like, and, and I got the lecture on how it's important for the kids to be able to say goodbye, and we can. Uh, but I thought it would be easier to just do this. Another one gone wrong. Got that one wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Solution is no more dogs. No. <laughs> that was the solution exactly. No, but I think your point is, you know, we need closure in that in that time, and so whether you decide to to cremate or bury or whatever, uh, it, I think it's important for those those loved ones to have a chance to say goodbye after after someone passes if if they if they want to. Now some people don't want to, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of a, a an up to the person kind of thing. What is important to them? Yeah, yeah, and in many cultures it's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, it's what they do, and I, so I I don't I think that that's uh, kind of a misguided uh, thing when people say you have to do it this way. And yeah, that's all there is to it. So. Yeah. Well, this brings us to the end of our current podcast, and I hope that our responses to the questions that you submitted were helpful. If you found them to be worthwhile and this is a good investment of your time, we encourage you to write a review and uh, send us your comments. This is a forum in which we're looking to have a dialogue with those who listen. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, we'd encourage you to submit those. Uh, You can do that easily by just going to our website at www.calvaryspokane.com. And we'll take them as they come in. Just about any question is okay, but we'd just like to say that we try to answer biblical questions. Uh, I can't give you financial advice or medical advice, but I can tell you what the Bible has to say. Uh, We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so that you can join with us regularly as we continue to answer your questions with what we believe are real biblical answers.